Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. I've started teaching on an important subject, very, very important. The title is The Prophetic. Everybody say The Prophetic. So when they say something is prophetic, what does it mean? The prophetic means that man's ability to tap into the spirits, to know the mind of God, and to predict the future accurately. Man's ability to tap into the spirits, to know the mind of God, and to predict the future accurately. Now, last Sunday, I said that sometimes people forecast the future by many different ways. And sometimes they get it right, sometimes they don't get it right. But the prophetic is not about forecasting. It's about knowing the mind of God that helps you to predict the future. So when something is prophetic, it means it has a predictive tendency. It has a tendency to do some predictions. And the prophetic has three purposes, three reasons why the prophetic is important. Number one is to expose the reality of the spirit realm so that people can look beyond the physical, so that people can look beyond the physical. Because life is more than what you see physically, amen? Life is more than what you see physically. The second purpose of the prophetic is to reveal the certainty of the future, so that people can look beyond the present, the certainty of the future. So the future is a certainty, especially for children of God. There is a future for you, amen? Yes, better, greater, and bigger than your presence. So the prophetic helps you to become aware of the certainty of the future. Now, the absence of the prophetic makes people very hopeless, very despaired, very despondent, because the devil keeps telling you, look at you, look at your life. Nothing is happening. Nothing is going to change. This is how you build forever. And anytime you see other people prospering and things are going well for them, you feel so depressed, you feel so discouraged. Every day you wake up, you are crying. In the absence of the prophetic, you cry and cry and cry. You see Christians who are so sorrowful, having funeral every day. They are depressed. They feel dejected. They feel discouraged. One problem comes and they think the world has come to an end. There's no future again. These are all effects of the absence of the prophetic. When the prophetic is there, the Holy Ghost helps you to see beyond what just happened. The Holy Spirit is able to make you see that what happened is bad, but it can work together for your good and give you a testimony. So in the midst of the trouble and the challenges, you can still have joy and celebrate the goodness of God and look beyond the present. So that is why the prophetic is very important. That is why every child of God must take this subject seriously because it helps you a lot to be able to move beyond where you are now into greater dimensions of your life. We all were not born this way. We all were not born like this. We all were not the way we are now. We all started from somewhere. But by believing God and trusting in his power to transform and to change, we have come this far. But even where we have come now, we know this is not our end and that God has greater plans for us 
God has a greater future for us. So even if you think God has been good to you, the prophetic helps you to never become complacent, but to know there is still greater things ahead of you. Greater things ahead of you. Uh, the third purpose of the prophetic is to bring Christians in alignment to God's perfect will. God's perfect will. To bring Christians in alignment to the will of God. Now, one thing I pray for everyone today is that never miss the perfect will of God for your life. Never walk out of the perfect will of God for your life. That's one prayer I pray for everyone today. Because if you are out of the will of God, you can never experience God's power and God's glory. You can never experience the fullness of God's blessing in your life. If you are out of the will of God, every smile on your face now is temporary. It's never going to get better. It's always going to get worse. The fact that you are a Christian and you are a child of God alone does not mean you will become very successful. So Jesus prayed a prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying. He said, Father, can you let this cup pass me? Then he went on to say, nevertheless, what did he say? He said, well, nevertheless, not my will, but what? Well, because Jesus was conscious of the fact that his, the fulfillment of his destiny and life and purpose was contingent on him being in the perfect will of God. Yeah, so Romans 12 verse 2 said that do not be conformed to this world. This world doesn't mind the will of God. The world is structured by Satan to always work against the will of God. That is why if you are a Christian and you are carnal and you are worldly, you will never be in the will of God. So he said, do not be conformed to this world. What does it mean to be conformed to the world? It means to line up to the things of the world. It means to fit into the mold that the world has created. It means to, to shape your life according to the pattern of the world. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can prove what is what? The good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The good, everybody say the good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the will of God is in three dimensions. The first one is the good will of God. The good will of God is that you should be saved and become a child of God. Beyond that, the acceptable will of God. But then there's another thing called the perfect will of God. The good will of God is become a child of God. The acceptable will of God is what? Obeying scripture. So there are people who believe the Bible, they obey the Bible, they do everything the Bible says. And they are in the will of God, but they are in the acceptable will of God. Then there is something called the perfect will of God. I can give you many examples. Let me give you two examples. Somebody can come to this church and give $10 million to this church. Oh, wow. how I wish it to happen today. Amen. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. But if that person is not born again, I will enjoy the money, but what he did has not pleased God. Because money is not what pleases God. What pleases God? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith in Jesus Christ. So before the person gives me the $10 million, 
The person must first be what? Born again. That means the good will of God. Okay. Now, the acceptable will of God is obedience to Scripture. What does the Scripture say? We should give, isn't it? So everybody give an offering today. That is the acceptable will of God. But when it comes to the perfect will of God, that is when you are able to even know how much am I supposed to give. And you should be able to come to the place in your life when the Spirit should be able to even speak to you about what you give and how you give it at every stage in your life. Because there are people in the Scripture that we all know who had miracles as a result of what they gave. And they gave not because they just felt like giving it, but the Spirit instructed them. One of them was this woman, the widow of Zarephath. Elijah said what? Fear not. Go and do as I have said. Cook as you have said. Do the cake and bring me first. Somebody will say, that's a wicked man of God. How can you meet a widow? In fact, widows have lost their husbands, so they are helpless. And the widow told you, that's his last food. Last food. Somebody said, that's a wicked person. But the prophet was bringing this widow in alignment to the perfect will of God so that he will not die, so that he will begin to enjoy supernatural abundance in the midst of the famine. He said, bring me the cake first. After that, serve yourself and your children. For that says the Lord. The barrel will not run empty. The oil will not finish until the Lord brings rain again. Now, this woman could have gone, cooked, served herself, served the son, and bring some to the prophet. Has she sinned? No. She's still been generous, isn't it? She has still taken care of the prophet, but not according to the perfect will of God. And the miracle wouldn't have happened, even though she gave. That's why sometimes we give, but we don't see the results we want because we don't discern the perfect will of God. Is somebody here up to now? Now, let me see another example of the will of God. God said he will bless the work of our hands. How many of you know he will bless the work of your hands? But it begins first with being born again. If you are a child of God, you can be guaranteed that the work you do, God will bless and prosper it. That means if you want to prosper, you must work. It's not enough to be born again and be anointed with oil and be prophesied to and be prayed for. But after I finish with you today, you go out there and you do what? You work. So when you decide to obey the scripture to work, what you are doing is that you are walking in the acceptable will of God. All right. But how many of you know that I wouldn't be as prosperous as I am if I had gone on ahead to be an engineer? Because that is what I wanted to be. I wanted to do engineering. In fact, my desire was to do aviation engineering because I like aircrafts. So I did physics, chemistry, maths at A-level. Then God called me. So I could have disobeyed the call, went ahead to do engineering. Is engineering a sin? Talk to me. Is engineering a sin? Okay. So by now, I could have been working as an engineer and be praying, Lord, you say you bless the work of my hands. Prosper me. Lord, Lord. And then I'll be seeing little, little drops of blessings here and there, but I will not be happy. I will not be fulfilled. But today, by the grace of God, I found not only that I'm born again and I'm working, but I found exactly what he called me to do. What he called me to do is to teach. That's what I'm teaching now. Are you learning? 
He called me to teach, number two. He called me to minister to people with a miracle ministry. So I do miracle services. Number three, he called me to train pastors. That's why I have a lot of pastoral training programs. Next two weeks, I'm going to be having a retreat with over 100 pastors. So far, I have about 86 pastors who have registered. I have to find, you know, in doing this, I'm not only prospering, but I'm also fulfilled. I have peace. I have joy. Yes, I went to South Africa to preach, and I met this man of God. I preached in his church. If not for in me being in the perfect will of God, he wouldn't be sitting here. I would never have met him. Maybe if I had even met him, it wouldn't be like this. But because I am in the perfect will of God, I have been able to meet people like this and be a blessing to their lives. And then he been a blessing to my life. So you have to understand that you have to move from just being born again, just being obedient to scripture, but you also have to come to the place of knowing how to walk in the perfect will of God for your life. And everyone at the sound of my voice, you are coming there in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. The perfect will of God is important in every area of your life. Your marriage, oh, you don't want to marry out of the will of God. That's where you see that the two shall be one has question marks. Perfect will of God. Perfect will of God. Perfect will of God is when you are not looking at the physicals. The guy has a car. The guy is tall. The guy can speak good grammar. That is not perfect will of God. Perfect will of God is seeing a guy that is broke and saying, that is my man. Perfect will of God is, oh, they say, oh, if you go into this particular job, there's money in it. So you don't pray and you're, you are just taking, choosing your job based on money. You can be out of the will of God. Yeah. When I decided not to continue school, but to go into ministry, many people told me you will suffer. But I'm not suffering now. No, 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 no. I suffered a little though. But the prophetic helped me to see beyond. Because in the midst of my suffering, I saw myself preaching around the nations of the world. I saw myself pastoring a great church. I saw myself blessed and prosperous and very rich. I saw all that, not today. I saw that then. Yes. I remember when I met my wife and I proposed to her, I used to tell her that I believe God has a great call on my life. And then she used to look at me and, and she used to ask me, what do you mean by that? And I said, I believe I will not just be one of those pastors. I will not be another pastor in the neighborhood, but I believe the calling of God of my life is very great. I just don't know how to explain the details, but I just knew the call on my life is extraordinary. Yeah, when I took over this church, there are things God showed me about this church. That's why I don't look at what we are going through now, any difficulties. I don't look at that. I look at what he showed me. And, and I can tell you, this church is a great church. Yes. It's a great church. You may not see it. And if you can't see it, you can only continue to criticize all the negative things about this church. But this church is a great church. Yeah, that, that's why we are not begging anybody to stay here. If you want to leave, I mean, be my guest. But this church is a great church. It's going somewhere. Yeah, God has great plans for us. I pray for you that you will step into the perfect will of God for your life. In the name of Jesus. The perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. If God says no to anything you are doing, obey him. 
Because your miracle is in the perfect will of God. Your breakthrough is in the perfect will of God. Your blessing is in the perfect will of God. Everything you are looking for in life, your peace, your joy is in the perfect will of God. When God is telling you, go here, go there. If he's saying, don't go, don't go. Your miracle, you know, some people's life are stuck because they have become stubborn to the voice of God. Yeah. There are people who believe they must control their own lives. If you understand the prophetic, you know you are, you are not the master of your life. No. You are not the one who controls your own life. You must come to the place of saying, Lord, my life is in your hands. Do with me what you please. Tell me where to go, what to do. Tell me what to do. Where do I go? What do I do next? Seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Amen? All right. Now, the important thing about the prophetic is that every child of God... Every believer, let me say this first. Unconsciously, everybody is looking for direction for life. Even unbelievers are looking for direction for life. Do you know? Yeah. That's why we have things like horoscopes. How many of you have seen, know what is horoscopes? Yeah, if you just Google horoscopes right now, there are things there. Which month, if you are born in this month, you need to do this this way. You need to wear a particular color. You need to, that is below your, your level. That one is for unbelievers. But even unbelievers have a feeling that there is, has, the supernatural controls the natural. And that if you can meddle with the supernatural to know certain things that need to be done, things will go fine. So that is why people are always looking for politicians are going to diviners. How is it going to be? Am I going to win or I will not win? Should I stand for elections? Footballers are going to sorceress. Are we going to win the match or will not win? What should we do, especially Africans? <laughs> yeah, everybody's looking for somebody for direction, for, to hear something beyond the natural. That's why they are fortune tellers. Fortune tellers are people, sometimes they can look into your palms and say you are going to be great. And people believe it. Yes, yeah, in the old days when children are born, they, they go to fortune tellers, tell us about this child. What do you think? Because... Inherent in every human being is the ability to interact with the spirit realm. But when you become born again, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into you and his number one work is to introduce you to the prophetic. He said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now, there are seven levels of the prophetic. How many? Seven different levels of the prophetic. The first one is seeing into the spirit. Seeing into the spirit is the lowest level of the prophetic, which unfortunately we have idolized in the church. When somebody says he has seen a vision, we idolize the person. We treat the person like he is the champion. But seeing into the spirit is the first level of the prophetic because seeing gives you only 180 vision. You can only see one part of the world. You can't see behind you. The reason why um, seeing is the lowest level of the prophet is because even unbelievers can see. That's why there are diviners. That's why there are astrologers and, and, and all that. So when we talk about seeing, we are, we are talking about visions and dreams. And every one of you, you have dreamt before and it happened. So it, it should tell you that the prophetic operates in your life, but you, you just don't understand how it works. Because if you dream and it happens, it means you saw it. God showed it to you. So sometimes, if God wants to reveal things to you in the future, he will give you a dream or he will give you a vision. 
and I'm talking about visions about your life and everything surrounding your life. Don't be too interested in seeing visions about people. One day I asked somebody, I said, the way you see things about people, do you see some about yourself too? Because seeing is of no benefit unless it benefits you first. Seeing. The second level of the prophetic is hearing the voice of God. Two levels of hearing the voice of God. The audible voice of God and the still small voice. God sometimes talks loudly, just like we human beings do. Sometimes we talk loudly. Sometimes we don't want people to hear what we are saying, so we whisper. The Holy Spirit whispers a lot. But not all voices are the voice of God. Hello? Not all voices are the voice of God. So the fact that you heard a voice does not mean it's always God. Satan also speaks. People also speak. And yourself too, you speak. So sometimes when you hear a voice, you have to be able to find out whether it's you yourself talking to yourself. Because sometimes you have already decided you want to do something and you went to pray about it and you heard yourself. Sometimes it's not yourself, people. Sometimes people can talk to you until you think it is God talking to you. The voice of the majority is not always the voice of God. Sometimes the voice of God is always contrary to the voice of the majority of people. That's why people can say a lot, but you still need to go and hear God. Yeah, sometimes too, it's not people, it's the devil. The devil speaks. I've heard the voice of Satan several times. Are you hearing me? Even Jesus heard Satan's voice. Adam heard, uh, Eve heard Satan's voice. Satan has been speaking to people and he's still talking. So not every voice is the voice of God. And one thing that will save you from hearing Satan's voice, don't be somebody who is always eager to hear voices. If God wants to talk to you, he decides how to talk to you. Sometimes he may not speak to you by a voice. He may speak to you by revealing things for you to see, either in a vision or in a dream. Oh, I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear an audible voice. I want to hear. I want to hear. One day you hear a voice, but it will not be God. And sometimes Satan can speak to you in a very religious way. Because Satan is not a fool. You know, there are things we tell you, you easily know it's him. So he has a way of doing it. I remember those days when I wasn't a pastor. I was a, a young Christian. And one Sunday morning, I heard a voice telling me, don't go to church today. Go and evangelize. Go and preach to people. I heard an audible voice Sunday morning. And I was confused. And one way you know what you heard is not God's voice. That Number one, you get confused. I was confused. I was I was there. Then I said, oh, I'll go to church. So when we closed, I, I went to tell my pastor that today I heard a voice. Then he told me it cannot be God because what the voice he heard contradicts scripture. Then he opened to me Hebrews 10.25. He said, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. So the, so the pastor opened the scripture and told me that what you heard contradicts this scripture. So what I heard, was it a bad thing? No. He said, I should go and evangelize. So that's how Satan starts. He said, I want to deceive you. The first voice you heard will, be, will not be sinful. But if you obey that one, he comes with another one and another one. Then one day he will say, pour sand in your head. Yeah. No, don't laugh. This is serious. That is why there are many churches you go, you see a lot of fetish practice. And they heard a voice. Pour sand in your head and you will receive unusual, miraculous favor. Do you think if you have heard that voice several times and you have been obeying it, when you hear this one, you will not obey. You will. You will. Because you've been hearing it consistently and you have been obeying it. And he, said, he didn't say when he pours on your head, you'll become mad. He said you'll have favor. And you too, you want favor. So most of the things you go to churches, they say direction, direction. A contrary, not. Most of the things are not the Holy Spirit. 
They are not the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? How do you know the particular voice is the voice of God? Number one, it does not contradict Scripture. It does not violate Scripture. It does not violate authority. It does not contradict previous prophecies. And it produces joy, peace, and faith. If you hear God's voice, the first thing that happens to you is that you have unusual faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing God's voice. So when you hear God, every fear will leave you. Every doubt will leave you. Number two, you will have some unusual joy in your spirit. Number three, you, you will have peace. If you hear a voice that is not of God, there will be no peace. There will be no joy. There will be fear. There will be confusion. And most of the time, it violates scripture. It violates the proper interpretation of scripture. And the more important, it does not violate authority, spiritual authority. So if I tell you the whole, this week we are fasting, God can come and tell you, you fast next week. You know, because there are many people in the church who claim they are hearing a voice, and everything they are doing is to, you know, violate every instruction from a man of God. There are people who, who go to church, and they believe before they even came to church, God had already spoken to them. So when they came to church, they are not even hearing what the pastor is preaching. That is not the voice of God. There are churches you go, and there are people in the church who think they are even closer to God than the pastor. And you can't blame them because probably the pastor himself does not understand who he is and where his authority is. All right, so hearing the second level of the prophetic. The third level of the prophetic is discerning the leading of the Spirit. There are times when God will not show you a vision. He will not speak an audible voice to you, but he will still lead you, the leading of the Spirit. And it is very important. I mean, Kenevagin says that that is the commonest way by which God directs people and guides people, the leading of the Spirit. You have to learn how to discern the voice of God. Okay. For instance, I was telling somebody recently, I said, if God wants you to pass here, everybody watching me, if God wants you to pass here, most of the time what can happen to you is that that door will be locked. He will make sure that door is locked. That one is locked. This one is locked. And he wouldn't speak to you. But when you try that door, it won't open. You try that one, it won't open. You try this one, it won't open. They try this one, it will open. And he's telling you, pass here. The Israelites were led not by a voice, but by a leading. They saw the pillar of cloud. Anywhere the pillar passed, they followed. Yes. So one of the things I, tell, I say in this church all the time is, favor is an indication that God wants you to be somewhere, isn't it? Good. One way you know somebody is not the right person for you is that you don't experience any favor there. Sometimes I see young, a young guy. You say, I love that lady. The lady doesn't like you. They won't pick your calls. He won't call you. The day he picks, he's very rude. But he said, she's the only one I love. Every day you are giving her money, she will chop your money. And so not call, she will chop your money. And so not call. But there's another lady who likes you. She respects you. She loves you. She cares about you. She doesn't worry you about money. She, sometimes she even gives you money. So, Pastor, I don't love him. I don't love her. <laughs> Okay, you continue. One day you'll see where <laughs> if somebody doesn't respect you and love you dearly, he doesn't qualify to be your friend. Yes, he doesn't qualify to be your friend. If somebody doesn't show you that respect and love and care, he's not the one God is going to use to bless you. Stop worrying yourself. Stop worrying about people who don't even care you exist and spend time with people who love you dearly. They may have nothing, but God will still use them to bless you. The leading of the Spirit. Today, I want to continue with the fourth, fifth, sixth, and the seventh. Can we do that? The fourth level of the prophetic is what? The gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy 
is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in a believer that enables him to speak out God's voice to people at a particular time to edify, to exhort, and to comfort people. So when I say the gift of the Holy Spirit, what, is, what do we mean? The Bible says that everybody who is born again, who is baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is able to manifest in your life with a particular gift. Everybody say a gift. Now, gift means you didn't work for it. The Holy Spirit just gives it to you. And this gift enables you to see people and speak the voice of God to them. And the reason why God will use you to speak to them is for three reasons. To edify, to exhort, and to comfort. To edify people means to build people up spiritually. To exhort means to encourage people. So the gift of prophecy works more when people need encouragement. And the last one is to comfort, to console people. This level of the prophetic operates only in believers. No unbeliever can operate the gift of prophecy. So you're seeing the difference now. Seeing into the spirit, believers and unbelievers can see. Hearing the voice of God, believers and unbelievers can hear the voice of God. Unbelievers have heard the voice of God in the Bible. All right. But discerning the leading of the Spirit is only the privilege of believers. The gift of prophecy only operates in believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Who are filled. That is why being filled with the Holy Spirit is very important. Let's read a few scriptures quickly. 1 Corinthians 14. He said, pursue love and desire what? Spiritual gifts. Next year, I'll be teaching on spiritual gifts in detail. But today, I just want to talk about one, which is the gift of prophecy. But look at the Bible. It says, pursue what? Love and desire. So when you become filled with the Spirit, one of the things the Bible says you desire is that desire spiritual gifts. And this scripture is for all Christians, all believers. You must desire that now that you are filled with the Spirit, He must manifest His gifts in your life in diverse ways. Amen? He said, but, among all the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit are many. Hello? But He said, but especially, that means among all the gifts of the Spirit, the one I want you to desire most is what? To prophecy. That you may prophesy. Remember, Acts 2, 17 says, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And that scripture is not referring to Man of God only, every believer. That is why you can't be roaming about looking for prophecy. When you have the Holy Spirit in you and upon your life. See, I hear you. He said, desire spiritual gifts, but the one I want you to desire most is that you may prophesy. And every one of you here, you can prophesy. What does it mean to prophesy? To edify, to speak the voice of God. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and makes you speak things to people that edify, that exhort, and that comfort. That means when people come and tell you things that does not edify, exhort, and comfort, it is not the gift of prophecy in operation. Are you following me? Because people can take this scripture and come and tell you a manner of things and confuse you. There are churches says when you go, there are some people who all they do is confuse people. I saw this thing about you. I saw that you are going to die. <laughs> My pastor hates that terribly. <laughs> oh, I saw. Oh, I saw that you are going to die. In fact, when I see things, it always happens. So the way I saw it, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, one of my daughters got married and a brother came. 
I think the following day of the marriage, and came to tell them that I saw something about it. I saw that you people, you and your husband, you, you are going to suffer a lot in marriage. And he said, oh, Prophet Kakrabedin, one of the prophets in this nation that I respect a lot. He said one day, a young man came to him in the house, no, in the office. Say, man of God, I came to see you. Okay, why? I had a vision about you. He said, what's the vision? He said, I saw that your wife died. Then he looked at him and said, no, my wife will not die. Your wife will die. <laughs> and a year later, the guy's wife died. That man knew the Bible. Because some pastors, when you tell them that, they are confused. Small, small, small boys going around in the name of prophets, confusing people. He said, no, it's not my wife you saw. My wife will not die. Your wife will die. Get out of my office. And the guy's wife died. So when people come and tell you things like what they said to that, my daughter, you should refuse it. Look in the face and say, I refuse it in Jesus' name. It's not me who suffer. It's you who suffer. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, but fortunately, they, they come to a good church. So they came to see me. I said, don't worry. You won't suffer. I lay hands on them and I rebuke that spirit, that lying spirit. I destroyed it. You won't suffer in life. Amen. In Jesus' name, you will not suffer. So if the gift of prophecy is in operation, it is to bring... What? Three things. The first one is what? No, I can't hear you. To edification. To edify you. To exalt you. To comfort you. That's the gift of of the Spirit. Give me the scripture. Let's finish up. He said, especially. So from today, I want you to desire the gift of prophecy. Say amen. Amen. It's a gift. When it's there, you will know. When it's there. You know, last time a pastor came, he said that since he received Holy Spirit baptism, he used to prophesy to people long before he became a pastor. When they go to covenant family meeting, they say, do the closing prayer, he start, he start prophesying to people. He was just a believer. But I will show you how you can walk in the gift of prophecy, that you may prophesy. Look at verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. That means when you are speaking in tongues, I'm not talking to you. What I just said is not to you, but it's to who? God. He that speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to... So when people say, hey, do you speak in tongues? They say, yes. Ah, so when you are praying in tongues, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't you think it's madness to be saying something? Don't you think this is foolishness? When are you going to stop that foolishness? And be sensible. Look at a gentle guy like you. Then, Hallelujah. This is the answer you give them. When I'm praying in tongues, I'm not speaking to men. I'm speaking to God. He said, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. What I just prayed, you may not have understood me, but I'm praying mysteries. What is a mystery? Hidden secrets. Hidden secrets. Hidden secrets. Hidden secrets. Let's go to verse 3. He said, but he who prophesies speaks to what? Talk to me. Edification, uh-huh. exhortation, and comfort. So when I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying to God. But when I'm prophesying, I'm speaking to who? To people. But guided by three words. Guided by three words. What are the words? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. To men, to people. That word men, that means both the male and the female. Verse 4. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies what? The church. So this is where tongue speaking and prophecy come together. Verse 1 said what? 
pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. Then verse 2 says, He who pray in tongues is not praying to men, but to God. Nobody understands him, but in the spirit he's speaking mysteries. Verse 3 says, He who prophesies speaks to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Verse 4 says, He who prays in tongues is edifying himself. He who prophesies is edifying the church. To edify means what? To build up someone spiritually. To build up people. To build people up. The word edify, according to Kenneth Hagin, it comes from the same root word that we have edifice. An edifice means a building. A great building, isn't it? So, a magnificent building is an edifice. We don't call a small madhouse an edifice. So, to edify means to build you into greatness. There are two levels of edifying there, isn't it? The first level is what? Edifying yourself. How do you edify yourself? Pray in tongues. How do you edify yourself? Pray in tongues. So anytime you pray in tongues, you are charging up your spirit. You are building up your spirit. You are strengthening your spirit. That's why it's good to pray in tongues. Everybody hearing me? That's why it's good to pray in tongues. A lot. But when you prophesy, you are edifying other people in the church. That is why when we have services like this and I'm prophesying to people, I'm not ministering to myself. I'm ministering to people. The church. Amen? Amen. The church. Because I can call Pastor Yaira and speak something to him and another person will also receive faith. How many of you know it happens all the time? Yes, I just spoke to him. I don't know what to tell him now. But I can tell him something right now and other people will, will in the same situation like him or other people believing God for the same breakthroughs will also receive edification. So prophecy edifies the whole church. Not just even one person. I've not seen anything, so go, unfortunately, go and see that. God bless you. I see a great financial favor. Amen. Come on. Great financial favor coming upon your life. God is going to open some financial doors for you. Breakthroughs. I see financial breakthroughs coming to you from next year. Amen. The Lord is telling me that next year is going to be your year. Amen. Doors are about to open for you. For you have waited upon God for long, but now the door is about to open. God bless you. Now, how many are blessed by this prophecy? Yes. So, prophecy edifies what? The church. But look at the order Paul did it. For you to be able to prophesy to the church, to edify the church, you need to edify yourself first. Because you cannot give what you don't have. So, the key to the operation of the gift of prophecy is praying in tongues. That's how Apostle Paul brought up the subject of praying in tongues when he was talking about prophecy. When you pray in tongues for long hours, you edify yourself, and you edify yourself to the point where your self-edification becomes an overflow. So you begin to spill over onto people. That is why I tell people, anybody God has used in the prophetic ministry, there are people who pray long hours in tongues, long hours, 10 hours, 10 hours of prayer, 8 hours of prayer, 7 hours of prayer. You know, God can never use anybody in the prophetic who can pray for more than six hours. And you see anybody operating prophetic who doesn't pray long, the person is either using the spirit of divination or he's using fabricated prophecies. You know they are fabricated prophecies. Or it's very easy to fabricate prophecies. I can ask people to tell me things about you. Or I can go to Facebook and see certain things about you and come and stand here and say it. 
and it's called a prophecy. That's not prophecy. That is gimmicks. Gimmicks don't change anybody's life. It only gives entertainment and excitement. That's why I said the only proof that you have met a true man of God is the change that took place after you left the man. The proof that you have met a man of God is not that because the father he called your name, he mentioned your age, he mentioned your suit, your shoe size, which color of pants you are wearing. Praise God. What you ate last week. I mean, if you know what I ate last week, what has that got to do with I need money? Eh? I need big money to do some serious things. So tell me something that will solve my problem, not what I ate last week. No, but it doesn't mean sometimes the Holy Spirit cannot reveal people's names. Hello? It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit cannot reveal people's secrets. Hello? The Holy Spirit can reveal, but he does that to give you faith, to believe what he will tell you next. So a true prophet of God will tell you what you ate last week, but he won't end there. Now he will tell you things that are about to happen. So the gift of prophecy... Now, I want to say something important. When somebody is operating the gift of prophecy, it doesn't mean the person is a prophet. That's another serious problem that we have in the church. Give me Acts 21, verse 8 to 9. Please, did you hear what I said? If a brother in the church or a sister in the church is operating the gift of prophecy, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he prophesies to people. It doesn't mean the person is now a prophet or a prophet. There are many churches, the moment somebody can prophesy with a gift of prophecy, they call him prophet or prophetess. There are some zealous brothers in a church who can see one or two visions here and there. They call them prophets or prophetesses. The fact that someone will put a gift of prophecy does not mean the person is a prophet. Amen? On the next day, when we who were Paul's companion departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. So the Apostle Paul and his companions, this scripture was written by Luke. So Luke was giving a narrative of something that happened in the house of one man called Philip. Most of you have heard of Philip before because he went to Samaria and did those miraculous. In fact, he's the one who led the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. All right. They went to his house and the Bible says he was an evangelist. Verse 9. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. This man had Four virgin daughters who did what? Prophesied. So if you are young and you allow the Spirit of God to fill you and to, to operate in your life, you can be very young and still be used by God. All the young people, are you hearing me? Philip's daughters were virgins and they prophesied. That, the fact that the Bible is saying they prophesied means they said a lot of things that came to pass. But the Bible said they prophesied. The Bible didn't say they were prophets. There's a difference between somebody who prophesies and somebody who is a prophet. I'll explain more about that. But look at verse um, 10. Now, as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So you see the two differences. In this same house, there were four young girls who were virgins who prophesied. They were not called prophets. Now, another man arrived in the house. His name is Agabus, and the Bible said he was what? A prophet. So I want to see the difference. There are people who prophesy, but they are not prophets. So that is the gift of prophecy. Let's go to the next one, which is what? The prophetic anointing. The prophetic anointing. The fifth level of the prophetic is the prophetic anointing. The first level is what? Seeing. The second level, hearing the voice of God. The third level of the prophetic is what? Discerning the leading of the Spirit. The fourth level of the prophetic is the gift of prophecy. 
The fifth level of the prophetic is the prophetic anointing. Everybody say the prophetic anointing. The prophetic anointing is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes upon people, especially men of God, that enables them to minister to people with the manifestation of specific gifts of the Spirit. Gifts like the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits. Okay, the gift of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits to minister to people's spiritual needs. So, what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that sometimes somebody is not called into the office of a prophet, but God can put on him a special anointing. And by this special anointing, he ministers to people's needs in the church by the operation of certain special spiritual gifts. Number one, the gift of prophecy. Number two, the gift of word of knowledge. Number three, the gift of word of wisdom. Number four, discerning of spirits. And God put his anointing on them so they can minister to people's needs. So we will read 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5 to 6, and we'll read verse 10. I want to show you the, the manifestation of the prophetic anointing. After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a string instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. This is about Samuel prophesying to Saul. And Samuel was telling Saul the things that will happen in his life after he had left him. All right. He said, one of the signs that will happen when you leave me, you are going to meet some prophets. And they are prophesying. They have music, singing, and and prophesying. And when you meet them, look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into another man. So Samuel said to Saul, the Spirit of God will do what? Come upon you, and you will prophesy. That is a prophetic anointing. And you'll be turned into another man. In other words, at the time you are ministering under the prophetic, you are no more Saul. You are a man of God. So when the prophetic anointing is upon somebody and the person is ministering, the person is not ministering as in the capacity as a human being. He's ministering in the capacity of God. God is using the person to speak things that must happen. Yes. So the prophetic anointing makes people to be used by God to minister to people in the capacity as men of God. Look at verse 10. When they came there to the hill of God, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him. He's talking about Saul. And he prophesied among them. Next verse. Verse 11. Verse 11. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that... When all who knew him saw... That he indeed prophesied among the prophets. Okay. That the people said to one another, mm-hmm. what, is this, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Mm-hmm. Is Saul among the prophets? Mm-hmm. Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Thank you. So when the people saw that Saul was prophesying, what happened? They were amazed, isn't it? They were amazed, isn't it? Yes, because they knew him 
to be one ordinary man in the, in the neighborhood. He was never called a prophet. And in Israel, the only people who qualified to prophesy were the prophets. Now, this is a man who is not a prophet, but he was prophesying. That means he said things that people found out and verified to be true. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said he prophesied. Then somebody, some people begin to say, what is this that has happened to Saul, the son of Kish? What is this that has happened? Is Saul also among the prophets? Uh-huh. Because they knew him to be ordinary, but he was speaking things that were extraordinary. The fifth level of the prophetic is the prophetic anointing. There are people God has anointed with an anointing called the prophetic anointing, but they are not in the office of a prophet. I want everybody to get that. They are not in the office of the prophet, but they have an anointing called a prophetic anointing. So an example in the Old Testament is what I just talked about, Saul. In the New Testament, I can show you examples. I mean, let's go to 2 Corinthians 12. It says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to what? Visions and revelations. Anytime I see this scripture, I really, 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 something happens to me. Apostle Paul said, now I want to talk to you about visions and revelations. Now, of all the men of God in the New Testament, I believe that Apostle Paul saw more visions than anybody else. Paul was an apostle. Paul had never called himself a prophet. In fact, in Timothy, he called himself a teacher, an evangelist, and an apostle. But he never called himself a prophet. But do you know that when it comes to seeing into the spirit, visions, Paul said, I went to the third heaven, and I saw things in the spirit that I cannot talk about. Because if I talk about it, I will be treated more than a human being. He said most of the scriptures he wrote in the New Testament, he received it from the Lord by revelation. Revelation means Jesus appeared to him in a vision and taught him, and he wrote them. Apostle Paul saw visions more than anybody, but he wasn't called a prophet. He did not call himself a prophet, and he was not a prophet. He was what? An apostle. But he had a prophetic anointing on his life. That is why he was able to see into the Spirit very accurately and very extraordinarily. Now, if we look at Revelation 1 verse 10, we'll see another apostle. His name was John. John wrote the book of Revelation. And John said, everything that I wrote came from visions that I saw. All I'm trying to say is that in your lifetime as a Christian, you will meet men of God who have an anointing on their lives, able to see into the spirit, able to know things supernaturally, able to prophesy to you very accurately under a very great anointing, but they are not prophets. Now, I think this is one of the confusions we have in Christianity today because once somebody can see visions, we call them prophets. But in the New Testament, that is wrong. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the office of the prophet and and teach what differences between somebody with a prophetic anointing on his life and somebody who is in the office of a prophet. So when the prophetic anointing is upon somebody's life, you will see the manifestation of what? The gift of prophecy, the first one. The second one is the gift of word of knowledge. What is word of knowledge? Word of knowledge is ability to supernaturally know things. Supernaturally know things. There are things Jesus knew. Everybody was wondering how he knew it. Have you, have you seen that in the Bible? Now, there are things Jesus knew. I mean, Jesus met Nathaniel and said... 
you are a true Hebrew. And Nathaniel said, you've not even seen before. He said, yes, I've not seen you before. But when Philip was talking to you under the fig tree, I saw you. That is word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit is able to make people supernaturally know things. And there are true men of God that you meet who tell you things. It's not anybody who told them. The Holy Spirit told them. The Holy Spirit did what? Told them. Jesus said to Nathaniel, when you were under the fig tree, I mean, you could have even said a mango tree or something, you know, or you were under a tree, but Jesus was able to even tell what kind of tree it was. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. That is what we call the gift of word of knowledge. And everybody who has the Holy Spirit can have this gift operating in his life. Yeah, sometimes believers come to talk to me about things. I say, oh, this is a gift of the Spirit, but the person doesn't know. He doesn't know. Now, the prophetic anointing also makes you operate what we call the gift of word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is ability to know something that is about to happen so you can do something about it. The word wisdom means ability to make the right decisions. Now, let me give you an example. Jesus looked at Peter. No, first, he looked at all the disciples. He said, all of you betray me tonight. That is word of wisdom. How did he know? But he knew that they all betrayed him. Then one of them stood up and said, Lord, excuse me. You didn't see it well. All of them will betray you, but me, I will never betray you. Jesus looked at him again and said, Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. He was very specific with even the number and how many times the cock will crow. Do you know what Jesus was expecting Peter to do? Peter would have said, Lord, so what should I do? I don't want to deny. What should I do? Do you know what Peter did? He said, Nalai. Nalai. It will never happen. Try me. You watch me. Watch me and see what will happen tonight. Jesus said, Peter, you don't know what is coming. You don't know what is coming. That's the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom supernaturally operates in the life of a man of God to speak things that are yet to happen so people can do something about it. People can do something about it. People can make right decisions about it. Do you know that before the cock crew, Peter denied Jesus three times. In fact, the third one, the Bible said Jesus was on trial but when the cock crew, in the midst of the trial, he turned and looked at Peter. That means Jesus knew by the word of knowledge that what he said had happened. He turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered. Then he ran out and started crying. He started crying. He said, Can, I can't believe this. That is the manifestation of the gift of word of wisdom. I think we've had a lot of men of God who have come to this church and said a lot of things by the Spirit that have happened very accurately, isn't it? Some of them have said things that we already know here. We haven't told him, but they happened. For instance, I, I remember uh, a lady in the choir was pregnant when my pastor came to this church, like, I think four or five years ago, and he said, she's going to give birth to a boy. How many of you remember that prophecy? I think it was Teresa, eh? Yes. He said, she's going to give birth to a boy. I said, why should somebody talk like that? Because the girl is going to give birth we are going to see it in the church. What if it turned out to be a girl? That is the operation of the gift of word of wisdom. And the reason why that man of God can see that is because there is a prophetic anointing on his life. You know, when my pastor started ministry, he used to be called Prophet Eric. And so one day, the Lord spoke to him and said, you are not a prophet, you are an apostle. Then he stopped using that title. And why were they calling him prophet? Because he was always prophesying to people. And that's the mistake in the New Testament church. The moment somebody sees visions and can prophesy, they call him prophet. You know, so you see a lot of people call themselves, they are not prophets. 
A lot of people calling themselves prophets. And, and, and the problem is even with you, Christians, because if somebody is not called prophet, you don't even believe in the person and the anointing on the person's life. You don't even believe that God can use the person to be a blessing to your life. But look at people like Apostle Paul, great man of God. But he had a prophetic anointing, but he was not in the office of the prophet. Sometimes, even when we have a program and I announce that a prophet is coming, this place is always full. Even if the person didn't say any significant thing or do any significant work. Now, I announced another time a man of God is coming. He's not called a prophet, but he's a man of God. I've come to realize that when people serve God faithfully up to a point, God puts an endorsement on their lives where their ministry changes people's lives. Whether it's a prophet, whether it's a apostle. You know, a young man used to stay in my house. One day I called him, I lay hands on him and I said, God is going to give you a gift of visions, but don't call yourself a prophet. I said, never do that. For the day you do that, you corrupt the gifts. Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down. You know, one of the things I've never tried to do is to really wonder what title I should carry. People ask me, so are you a pastor or apostle? That's why I don't know. All I want to be said about me is that that guy is a man of God. I like to be called a man of God. And I think I'm a man of God. Yeah, so the prophetic anointing is one of the levels of the prophetic. So anytime God will speak to you, let me close. Everybody here, let me close for today. Anytime God will speak to you, he will speak to you in one of seven different options. First one is seeing. Second one is hearing his voice. Third one is discerning the leading of the spirit. Fourth one is gift of prophecy. Fifth one is a prophetic anointing. The sixth one is the office of the prophet. And the last one is what? The prophecy of scripture. The highest level of the prophetic is the prophecy of scripture. That is the only place you can never have errors. The first five, the first six, there will always be errors. Because the first six are operated in human vessels that are not perfect. But when you get to the scripture, the Bible said it is inerrant. It doesn't have any error. It's purified seven times and it is pure. So when scripture is properly interpreted and applied in proper context to your life, you can never get it wrong. Amen. Amen. So we have two more. Next week we'll talk about that. Now, listen. The reason why this teaching is very important is that decisions are in different levels. There are decisions that if you get it wrong, you are messed up for life. You can only make the right decisions based on your ability to be accurate in the prophetic. There comes a time in your life when you have to make major decisions, life, lifetime decisions, life-determinant decisions. And if you get it wrong and make the wrong decisions, it will destroy your life. And that is why it's important for you, every one of you as a child of God, to come to that place where you know how to walk in the will of God, perfect will of God. And this is how it happens. You don't decide for God how he leads you, how he speaks to you. God decides how he can speak to you. You don't tell God, God, give me a vision. No. Sometimes he can give you a vision if he wants to. Sometimes when I'm going to a program, I have a dream. Sometimes I see the whole program in a dream before I go. I see how the spirit moved. In fact, sometimes I see the detail of the people, the Holy Ghost touched everything in a dream. So I just know what is going to happen. 
Sometimes when I'm going to a program, even sometimes miracle services, the Holy Spirit speaks to me how the service to go. That's why every miracle service, you, you can see differences. So the Holy Spirit speaks to me. When you take the microphone, worship first. After worship, pray for people. Then pray for the sick. Then take the prayer request. Then pray for this person and that person and that person and that person. You know, this person, pray for him about this. This person is, has this particular problem. Pray for him. When I'm praying on Friday, he speaks to me all that. I write them down. Sometimes too, I have no clue what is going to happen in the service. I just go. I'm invited to programs I'm going. I don't even know what I'm going to preach. Last Sunday evening, I was preaching in Pastor Francis' church. I didn't know what I was going to preach. I told Pastor Francis, you know, it's every, everything you heard was not a, a sermon on any paper. When they gave me the microphone, I just spoke as the Spirit guided me to speak. When I took the microphone, he, he told me to talk on faith. So I preached on faith. Yeah, sometimes when I'm going to a meeting, I don't know what is going to happen. But as soon as I start, the Spirit leads me pray. Or sometimes the Spirit will just give me a scripture, teach on this. I teach. At a point, you tell me it's okay. The teaching is okay. Lead prayer for five minutes and start praying for people. Even how I pray for people in miracle services, it's always different. I, I don't have any plan. Sometimes I look at somebody and I just know I need to lay hands on the person. Now I'm telling you different ways that God leads us. I see that the Lord wants me to lay hands on somebody. And why does he want me to lay hands? I don't know. But I just go right there and I do what? I lay hands and, I'm, and I leave the rest to God. He knows what to do without laying on of hands. Maybe the person is sick will be instantly healed. Maybe the person has a problem and just that touch is okay. In fact, one day, Sister Doris, she came to Tuesday service. But before she came, she dreamt in the night. that she came to Tuesday service and I called her forward and I prayed for her. She had a dream when she, and she saw exactly the dress I was wearing. And when she came to church Tuesday service, I was wearing the same dress. Is that not prophetic? And you know what happened? I was just about to close. I said, Doris, come forward. Was it you, Doris? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I remember. She said, I said, come forward. And she came. Now, she didn't tell me the dream. I said, come forward. In fact, when I said, come forward, I didn't even know why I said she should come forward. But I just knew she asked to come forward. And I lay hands on her. I can't still remember what I told her and prayed. When we closed, she came to tell me, Pastor, I dreamt yesterday night that you were wearing this dress and you prayed for me. So God speaks to us differently. Sometimes he will anoint your pastor in a service to come and give you a prophetic word. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes after the service, when you go and sleep in the night, he will come talk to you. The fact that you have programmed and prejudiced your mind that if God must talk to me about this issue, he has to talk to pastor to talk to me, puts you in a very dangerous situation. Now, oh, I need to hear a voice about this issue before I know. You, you put yourself in a dangerous situation. He decides how to lead you. Yeah, so you have to know how to be familiar with all these different ways by which God speaks. Then you can be in the will of God. I pray for you that you will walk in the perfect will of God. All the days of your life. Perfect will of God. God's plan for you is not for you to be running around looking for a prophecy from a prophet somewhere. It's not always that God will use a prophet to talk to you. Sometimes he will talk to you by the sister sitting by you, by the gift of prophecy. Sometimes people come to you and tell you things. They don't even know what they are saying, but you know what they are saying. You know exactly what the person is. The person doesn't know what he's saying. The person is just saying something casually, but he felt like saying it. 
It has happened to me all the time. Sometimes chatting with somebody and the person is saying something that is exactly an answer to a prayer I've been praying. Sometimes even when you come to church and a pastor is preaching, you say, oh, this pastor is just talking to me. He's preaching like he knows everything I'm going through. How many of it has happened to you before? That is God talking to you. You don't need to be called and given a prophecy before you believe it. Sometimes in the simple preaching of the word, God spoke to you. God spoke to you. And that is very, very important. Are you blessed today? Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.